Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Porritz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission is to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams, and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com and follow me on twitter.com slash coachandrew. By the way, we're closing in on our 10,000th listener, listener, and if you think you're that person and you let me know about it, you'll win a month of free coaching. If you're listening live and you have a question, the phone number here is 646-929-2893. Again, that's 646-929-2893. You'll be able to listen to the show on the phone, and if you press the number 1, this will let me know you have a question. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. Tonight's guest is Kim Vasquez, and that's with two Zs. Kim is the author of Living in the Rearview Mirror and her new book, New from the Inside Out. Kim is a former business owner and mortgage broker who found her true calling in helping others connect to their own divine guidance. As a spiritual counselor and an angel intuitive, she conducts angel readings through her practice and offers workshops and seminars you can learn more about Kim at www.kimvasquez.com. That's K-I-M-V-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z. Kim, are you with me? I am here. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Wonderful. And you're calling in from California, correct? Yes, I'm in California. Cool, and I'm in New York, so we're thousands of miles apart, and here we are together. <laughs> yep. Which never ceases to amaze me. So <laughs> the title of your newest book, New from the Inside Out, tell me about that. Tell me about the title, first of all. How did you get that? Well, um, actually, I saw it in a vision. I'll be truthful. <laughs> I did see that title, New from the Inside Out, and then How to Transform Your Mind and Your Life. It's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's about something I went through, and I was able to transform my life by starting with my mind. So I thought I'll throw that on there and see if I can't help some other people do the same thing. Mm. So so you say you, you've gone through a transformation. So first of all, what was your life like before your transformation? Well, it was a life really of unhappiness. I, I would say that it was that way for probably 37 years. And what I did is I, I built this facade for myself, and my life looked really good on the outside. You know, I had material possessions, and I made sure that physically I tried to look as good as I could. And what was supposed to happen is you were supposed to see that and never see me. And I, I was the kind of girl that was hiding a lot. I didn't, you know, I felt insecure, so I was trying to cover up the real me, um, a, a person who's imperfect and doesn't have all the answers. So I was uh, fearful. I didn't trust people. I was full of emotional pain, and that pain made me feel very vulnerable in the world. And I also suffered from a lot of chronic pain. I had migraines. So I had this um, whole internal world that was a mess, and then the outside of me was like, hey, I've got it together. You're talking to a man with a headache right now, so I definitely want to hear more about those migraine. uh, Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry to hear that you have a headache. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, the the migraines were, um, what I realized in retrospect is for me, they were the result of carrying a lot of emotional pain. I had a lot of baggage from childhood. As I grew up, I made a lot of mistakes, and I just 
kept collecting this um, this pity story, the poor me, you know, I'm the victim of life, everything isn't working for me. And I think that those emotions had no outlet. So I kind of picture them as like these red dots just bouncing around inside my body, all this, you know, un, uh, repressed pain. And then they finally settled in my head and they sort of took over my life. And I actually had daily migraines. It was an unusual thing. And I had them for almost 12 years. Ouch. Yeah, it was a nightmare. Wow, quite literally. So what was the big thing that you did that that made that shift there? Shift away from the migraines? Mm -hmm. Well, um, the first step was giving up the narcotics that I had been taking. Um, The prescription painkillers were given to me to help. I, I couldn't take a lot of the other stuff that was for migraines at the time. And they didn't know what to do with me, so they just kept me on the narcotics. And there was this little voice in my head at one point that said, you know, I think this is a cycle here. I think that this is compounding the problem. Of course, it took me 12 years to hear that little voice, but it eventually got to me. And I, and I thought to myself, I wonder what would happen if I stopped this. I wonder if I don't have headaches anymore. And it's really the pills that are, you know, continuing the headaches. So... I actually went to rehab so I could stop taking the the prescriptions, and um, they put me on something real uh, short-term that was called Topamax, and it helped me just kind of get out of that that narcotic thing and kind of support me not having migraines. And then after a little while, I stopped taking those, and I am pain-free. Well, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. I could do a happy dance over here about that. And here I am thinking about where am I going to get some good pills. <laughs> well, how, how about you try some ibuprofen? Okay. <laughs> they work, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I've actually taken one too many of those uh, headache, um, like Excedrin type of pills. Yes. And they have uh, too much, like a little bit too much caffeine is adding up now, so I'm in that weird, jittery, headachey phase. Oh, yes, I remember that well, and I didn't like it. (laughs) Well, here we are. Um, (laughs) So you have so many interesting things. So I've been, you know, reading through your book. So I think we're going to probably talk most about the book tonight, the new book. Okay. Um, But but before we do that, I know that you are uh, somebody who has, uh, has a, as the TV show says, touched by an angel. Yes. I want to hear more about the angel, the angels in your life. Okay. Well, I certainly love to talk about the angels in my life. Um, there, there was a big event in my life that was right before I made the decision to, to stop and get off the painkillers. And um, I had been praying. I had actually been praying to die because I could not handle my life anymore. I couldn't handle how ill I felt and how pressured I felt because I had I had built a very complicated, chaotic life, and I um, I was praying to die, and one night there was something going on in my room, and I opened my eyes up, this was at night, and it was green, my whole room was green, and I was in there by myself, and I thought for a minute, okay, I, I'm tripping, you know, this isn't real, I need to stand up and go to the bathroom or something, and come back, and this will go away, and it didn't go away. And I started to feel this weird sensation in my head. And it was like a magnet was pulling at the top of my head. I felt like, 
you know, almost like my soul was being lifted up through my head. It was really weird. Um, you know, and it, and it did kind of freak me out because I was used to, you know, fighting against those kinds of experiences. I knew I had these spiritual gifts, but, but they frightened me. So I was fighting against it. And then it dawned on me, oh, my gosh, you know, maybe I should yield to this. And I said out loud in my bedroom, what is going on? And I actually heard a voice say to me, you asked for a head change. And I knew that it wasn't my voice or something I made up because Mm -hmm. those are not my words. That's not something I would say. And then it dawned on me, whoa, this is it. You know, I prayed for help. I prayed to die or I prayed for help. And this was help. And my life completely changed after that. It inspired me, and I, w- I was done. Wow, that's beautiful. It was beautiful. And I understand you have an angel story, too. I do, a little bit different than yours. But um, when I was, um, I'm thinking it was 15 years old, I had this uh, really brilliant idea. Uh, a lot of the kids in my neighborhood like to ride their mini bikes in these trails. And uh, I was no, I was not allowed to ride a mini bike or a motorcycle. It was like, you know, the day you ride a motorcycle is the day you <laughs> leave this house. Uh huh. You know, that kind of thing. And I, I was the kind of kid who actually then would pay attention to that and not do it. But uh, I was really determined. I really wanted to do it, and I, and I couldn't. And it was a very hot, hot, hot summer day, and everyone was away. Most of the kids were away at camp, and I was not. And I was, I took my uh, my English racer bicycle, you know, five speed, wasn't even a ten speed, and into the lots where everybody did the the bike, you know, the motorbike trails, yeah. and I uh, started riding down the trail, and uh, I had, um, I think I only had one brake or something, it was just my my uh, front brake was working. Oh. All of a sudden, I came upon this huge. Uh, ditch, kind of like a, uh, like uh, like on the moon, like a crater. Okay. And I braked really hard, but because I only had one brake, oh. uh, the whole bicycle with me on it flipped over the handlebars. So I flipped me over, and I landed on my neck. Oh. And uh, I was a hundred percent paralyzed. Oh my gosh. I had absolutely no feeling anywhere. I couldn't move. And I tried to scream for help. But the only thing that came out was like, help. Yeah. Help. I had nothing. Yeah. And it was like, this, you know, it was very hot. And I'm, I'm uh, absolutely, you know, thinking I'm going to die here. Mm-hmm. And they knock, they're not going to find me for days because there was nobody around. I mean, everybody's away, and it was in the middle of nothing. And I was, and I don't know. I can't say for sure what you know. Was I actively praying? Was I just asking for help? Um, you know, help me. It was very, you know, conscious of that. I can't really put into words what it was, but it's all of a sudden it was after this very long while. I started to uh, feel my fingers. Oh my gosh! And then uh, it took a little while, and then I all of a sudden I could, you know, I I was okay. I was very bruised, and I had this tremendous sense, and I can't even explain. I can't. It wasn't a vision the way yours was, 
but it was this tremendous sense that I was being watched. Okay. And I had this idea that you know, the way it came to me was that I had a guardian angel, and it was not my time. Right. And the the sense that I had, and I and I you know of course there's no way of knowing this, and but it's I believe it was my mother's mother. Okay. Watching over me, because that was the, it was like the wasn't like a clear voice. I said like like you had this very clear voice. It was just this feeling. Right. And did you did you feel protected and yeah, loved and I, I did. I felt like no no uh no don't let him go now. It was like sort of like somebody made an argument in my behalf. Right. And uh and that was that. Wow, that was an amazing story. Yeah. I guess it wasn't your time and you know, I think what happens when we have experiences like that, I don't know about you, but for me, it really changed my life because I, I connected to the fact that I'm not alone. I'm not going mm-hmm. through this life alone. Something else is going on, and, you know, I, I have protection. You know, I'm, I'm in New York where it's always a good idea to have protection. <laughs> well, you know, you can't ask for it every day. I do. <laughs> I say, hey, angels. <laughs> Can you can you help me out today? Can you put protection around me? I can always use it, it especially in my car. I mean, the way people that people drive here in California is pretty crazy too. Oh, I, I, I yes, I, I've been to California many times. <laughs> my, I've, uh, my my dad and my brother are out in uh, the Bay Area. Right. So uh, I'm out there, you know, at least a couple times a year. Well, you've seen what driving I'm talking about. Then they're they're very aggressive down there. Oh yeah. Um, I think you get a lot more of the, uh, what do you call those people, the road rage people. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Here, everybody's aggressive anyway, but it sort of levels out. (laughs) Okay. You you don't have too many of the people that's over the top, because everybody has a certain level of it, I think. Yeah. I don't know if it makes any sense. But anyway, I wanted to talk to you about something you talk about in your book, uh, and, and you really go into some very interesting detail. You talk about conditioning and influence, and the influence of some things that you mention. Now, everybody talks about TV and movies. Um, you you go into specific detail around music and even cell phones and texting. So uh, tell me about that. Well. It's kind of my mission to help people understand that there's an energy in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the easiest way to kind of get a visual of that is you picture yourself, you know, have have a grumpy person come into the room with you, and just their hostility will affect you. Most of us will want to move away from them. And if you have a person around you that's, you know, happy and laughing, telling jokes, you like to be in their energy because they're positive. Well, you know, the rest of the world works exactly the same way. We have energy exchanges all day long. We're being influenced positively or we're being burdened and and weighed down by all of the different types of input that are coming in. So, you know, people know that music is a very powerful influence, but I don't know if they ever stop and say, I'm already having a kind of a rough day, so perhaps I should not listen to that song that's on the radio that reminds me of my ex-boyfriend that I wish I never broke up with. And, you know, like take yourself through that whole thing by listening to it. Um, There's a way to make yourself feel better by changing the channel and finding a song you want to dance to. So, 
you know, we, we can influence ourselves, but we have to be aware. Yeah, but is there still room for uh, all the kinds of music out there for you, or is it the, do you very specifically avoid uh, certain music? Uh, thank you for asking me that question, because I'm so 80s, I'm so old school, I'm <laughs> the old hair band, rock hair bands, you know, uh-huh. that's the stuff that I was into, and, you know, some of that stuff is dark, there, there's some mm-hmm. themes that were heavy, and the way that I look at it today is that um, if I'm spiritually fit today, if I'm having a great day, if I'm, you know, involved in positive things, and a song for my teenage years come on, and it's all, you know, the shake your fist at the world kind of music, you know, I can afford that on that day. So, yeah, I'm going to listen to that song, and I'm going to enjoy it. But if I'm having a rough day, and I have a song that comes on that's going to take me a level lower than where I'm already at, I'm not going to do it, because I notice what I do now is I monitor the energy exchanges, and I'm just aware of what is working for me today and what's not going to work for me today. Okay, so that's a very important distinction because, you know, it could be very easily, uh, you could very easily go into the idea of, well, I'm just going to censor everything I, that's out there. I'm not going to listen to this kind of music and and uh, and only choose these songs. But you actually just rather monitor your where you're at spiritually or mentally and then choose based on that. Exactly, because what we're doing throughout the day is we're, Um, we have cumulative effect of these energy exchanges. So if I'm coming out at the end of the day and the majority of my day was positive, I'm good to go, you know, Um, and I'll probably wake up the next day feeling like, you know, today is going to be a good day. Mm -hmm. If I'm, you know, letting things kind of stack up on me that are dark and weighing me down, then I'm probably going to wake up with a bad attitude tomorrow. So, you know, you you can't like cut everything out of your life or else you feel repressed but you can at least own it and, and influence yourself. So what, are you, what would you say the most important in these arenas? Like I know you mentioned horror movies. What are the most important things to, to look for and, and modify? Wow, I don't know if I could choose any of these, but <laughs> I, would say, <laughs> I would say to pay attention just to the themes. Uh, I have some clients that will come to me and we'll, we'll talk about, you know, what's their biggest issue. And they'll say that they're very fearful. You know, they feel a lot of fear. They're always in the future. They're always worried about everything. And I'll say to them, well, well, what are you watching? You know, what's, what's your big thing? And these are people that, who maybe get up to the news in the morning and then when they come home at night, they like to watch crime dramas and they're watching crime dramas back to back and then they're mm-hmm. watching the news and going to sleep. And, you know, that, if, there's a lot of people in a state of fear right now. So if you're in a state of fear and you want to kind of lighten that load on yourself, you might might not want to watch all fear-based crime stuff. You know, you might want to throw a comedy in there. Mm-hmm. So I think, I don't know if I can choose, but I, I definitely think that the TV shows, if you're a person who watches a lot of TV, the TV shows do have a big effect on you. Because if it's not crime and you're watching like reality shows and you're watching a lot of dramas, then you can also be showing yourself that, you know, drama is life. This is, this is how sure. my life is going to be, just full of drama. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've got to be careful with ourselves. Absolutely. I know for me personally, and I, I for, for as long as I can remember now, probably over 20 years, 25 years, 
uh, I have a very conscious decision to not watch news late at night. And uh, I'm not a big news junkie. A lot of people are, though. You know, of course, if something big happens, you know, like 9-11 or something, you, right. you can't help but be glued to the set. But uh, I normally my policy is before I go to bed, i, I got to get something that's if it's not going to feed my brain, it's at least going to make me laugh. Right. And I love to watch old comedies and, you know, Seinfeld and things like that or uh, anything that's going to make me a family guy. I'm a big family guy fan. Oh, yeah, that's funny. So my, my thing is take take humor to bed, not not the new – because you know what? That's all going to be there in the morning. Right. And it, and it's not going to serve you as you're going to sleep because, mm-hmm. you know, what, why do we want to disturb our mind and then ask it to sleep peacefully? Those kind of – they don't go together. You know, but but a little chuckle and getting yourself in a good space, it, you know, it's good for sleeping. You know, the 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 thing about the news is that it's almost always, you know, it's pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. It's, just, you know, it's different cast, different different building is on fire, or different yeah. or different bomb threat or whatever. Um, the uh, different war, but I once saw this cartoon that really kind of put put it into perspective. Uh, two archaeologists uh, have uncovered what appears to be the earliest ever newspaper carved out of stone. And one archaeologist says to the other one, are you able to translate the headline? You know, it's like thousands of years old. And, and the guy says, yes, it says trouble in Middle East. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, that's the same headline that you would see today. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Amazing. Tell me uh, specifically, like you, you have a little section here in this section on conditioning and influence around cell phones and texting, because I'm a big cell phone and texting kind of guy, so I'd like to hear your spin on that. Okay. Well, you know, most people do kind of have an idea that perhaps the cell phone is sort of robbing them of the present moment, but I, it's, it's going to be a choice for some people, and a lot of joy, if you want to bring joy into your life, a lot of it comes from being connected to the present moment. You can't do that if you're constantly on your cell phone because your cell phone is taking you out of where you are and putting your mind somewhere else. And, you know, it's gotten to the point, and everybody's doing this, where they're sitting across from a live human being talking on the phone to someone else, and it's just, it's sad to me because mm-hmm. they're missing out on this this you know, wonderful experience that they could have in front of them. Because think about it. Is that connection that you're talking to someone on the phone, do you really feel that as much as you could feel the live person in front of you? Not really. Hmm. And, you know, the texting, to me, this is a, it's just an addiction. You know, it's a way that we get ourselves out of what is going on right now. And we're kind of like in comas. If we're always on the cell phone and we're always texting, we're walking through life without really seeing what's going on because we're in an altered state with the cell phones. So do you have a specific recommendation? Well, again, it's just like everything else. I don't tell people, oh, I don't think you should ever use a cell phone. I think cell phones totally have their place in society. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I won't be on my cell phone if I have a person in front of me. In fact, I will turn my phone down all the way till it's muted so I don't even get a vibration. I don't even want to know that there's someone else calling. There is nothing that is that important that I have to, you know, not honor the person in front of me. 
Um, so, and I don't, I, I did the Oprah, you know, no cell phone pledge. That was easy for me. I've never been a person who is good at talking on the phone and driving at the same time. It's not that I don't have confidence in my driving skills. I just, a long time ago, it clicked for me that these, I'm, I'm kind of going off in la-la land while I'm driving. And a lot of us can do that without the cell phone. Sure. So, so I want to be totally present when I'm driving. So that's what I've done. I've just cut it out when I'm driving, and I cut it out if there's people, you know, in front of me. You know, I think today people, um, especially young people, really don't even have a concept of this. But uh, it's only, you know, in the last 10 or 15 years that these things, the cell phones have become so prevalent. But when I was growing up, (laughs) when I was was a kid, (laughs) I was your age. Um, you know, uh, you had a phone at home, and that was it. <laughs> and you, you'd go out all day, and when you came back, uh, you know, the phone might ring, but if you, we didn't even have answering machines. Right, we didn't have answering nothing. machines. There was nothing. Either you were home or you weren't home. Imagine. And you never thought about it. It wasn't like, oh, my God, what if the phone is ringing while I'm not here? No, you would. they'll call back if it was important. Right. And now it's and, and I'm certainly as much a uh, person as anybody who is you know addicted to my phone and my text and my this and my that. But certainly I can remember a time when you would go all day at, at least. I mean, you can go from eight in the morning until late at night and not touch a phone. Right, and that's and I can remember those days too. So that's probably why I have something to compare it to. Like you said, the kids these days, they don't even know any better because this was already here for them. But I remember that quality of life before, and I remember how life continues when I don't have a cell phone. You know? Yeah, so, BC before cell. <laughs> before cell. So, so what do you think about you know the cell phones, and and do you think that they are? sort of taking people out of the present moment and out of their lives? or Yeah, I think I could definitely see that, and I especially, uh, you know, when people are with other people and they're still, you know, they are you know they have the phone under their desk or, yeah. you know, <laughs> they're sneaking little peeks at it. And, mm-hmm. and, and again, I will be the first person to tell you I am that man. I have done that. Um, uh, but I do, like, for example, if I'm out on a date, that's one of my one of the things I always do is I turn my phone off completely. I'm not even vibrate; it's like power off. Right there's on. Absolutely no need. I mean, unless there's, unless I'm expecting some dreadful call, which then why am I out anyway? Right. So uh, you know, it, it could wait. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that, and I'm sure your dates are glad to hear that too. <laughs> Yeah, although you know, more often than not, uh, I, I'm you know, there there is a phone that is ringing. It's not mine. <laughs> oh, and, and it's no there? names, please. Yeah, sure. You know what though? I'm I'm telling you that would go so far with me if the man in front of me did not have his cell phone out, didn't have it on. I, as a woman, would feel honored. I would feel like you were honoring me. So that would hold a lot of weight for me. Okay, you hear that, ladies? Okay, good. <laughs> I would say testimonial from Kim. <laughs> I, I was. Oh, you also talk about gossip. And I was wondering if you read the Four Agreements. You know what? I read that book right after I finished this one. It, it kept coming up. Remember how we were talking about how you know sometimes books kind of come up in a short period of time, sure. and that one came up, like you said, about three times. And I went, I got to go read this book. 
And as I was reading it, I just totally resonated with it. I thought, yes, I get what he's talking about. That is an awesome book. Uh, that's one of those books that are sort of magical. Um, it was first given to me as a gift from a woman who you know, barely knew me. Actually, we were working together in the, in the same office. And, uh, and she said, I'm giving you this book because I, I, I love this book and I, I give it away. She, she said she gave away about 12 a year. Like every Aww. month she would give one away. Bless her heart. Yeah. She and it's like one of those love. pay it forward kind of, uh, kind yeah. of books. So, um, you know, now I'm just reminding myself, I, I usually like to reread that every year and I haven't read it for over a year. So that's going back on the list. Yeah, it's, it was definitely a good book. And I was really excited when I read it, too, because I knew it was popular. I know that a lot of people have read it. And what great information for people to have. And uh, But getting back to yours, I guess it talks about uh, uh, gossip. Uh, you also mentioned uh, gossip as, as, a, as a negative influence. Oh, yeah, big time. And I, because think about it. A lot of this stuff stands to reason. We just, don't, we just don't do the reasoning to come up with this. But with gossip, if I'm involved in it and whoever I'm gossiping with, mm-hmm. over time, I'm not going to trust those people because mm-hmm. I know that they participate in talking smack. So if I'm going to talk smack with these people a little while later, I'm going to be like, I wonder if they are talking about me when I'm not around. And so what gossip does is it kind of backfires. When, when we gossip, a lot of us, what we want is we want a connection. We want someone interested in our story. But over time, we pay a personal price for this gossip because it breeds negativity and it breeds distrust. So, I, you know, I, I ask people to take a look at it. You know, when you, when you kind of start fil- filtering it out of your life, you do notice a difference. You, you do feel better. Yeah, I think a lot of times you, don't, you, don't, you may not even realize that you're gossiping. It's very easy to get into it. Oh, gosh, yes. It really is. But, you know, if you're talking about something, kind of like what I say in the book, when we're talking about someone's achievements or their accomplishments or we're, you know, championing things, championing, uh, you know what I'm trying to say here, championing. Championing. (laughs) Thank you. Say that Um, sometimes fast. (laughs) Their their accomplishments, we're not gossiping. It's, It's only when we're, you know, doing the, hey, did you hear this? And, you know. That type of thing, then it's gossip. So you know, so primarily we're talking about negative, negative gossip. Right, right. right. Yeah. Good, good news is good news. Gossip is okay. Well, yeah, because you're spreading love. You're spreading, you know, cheer, and you're uplifting people. People love to hear stories about, you know, great things happening for people. There's a lot of a lot of us didn't need that. That's what I need. Give me a call and tell me a great story. I'd be happy to hear something like that. I just don't want to hear that, you know, do you know so-and-so's doing this and, you know, that type of thing because it's, it's, not, um, it's not uplifting me. And, you know, there's this, uh, one of my favorite phrases is crabs in a barrel. Okay. You know that one? No, I don't. Crabs in a barrel. Well, so related to misery loves company. Uh, but the really cool thing about crabs, a lot of people don't know this. If you put a crab in a barrel, it will scamper out of the barrel, right? But if you put more than one crab in a barrel, uh, what happens is 
if one tries to get out, the other one will pull it back. Oh, my gosh. You can't leave. Oh, you're not leaving here. Uh, I don't know what's out there. Oh, no. Where, 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 you're staying here. You're staying here with me because I don't want to be by myself. No, no, no. We're both going to be in here. So uh, if you have a, cra- a barrel full of crabs and one tries to get I mean, they'll eat the crab that's trying to get out. I mean, they'll kill it. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's a very good visual. Yeah. You know, of how that kind of stuff works. Yeah. And that's, that's the reason that, you know, you see a barrel full of crabs and it's not covered. That's, like, how could they not cover it? Aren't they all going to escape? No. And <laughs> They're not going to get out they're at all. They're going to guard themselves pretty well. <laughs> wow. And that's like, you know, the same as Misery Loves Company. They all, we're, we're in this together, buddy. That's right. That's they're right. very similar to gossip in a way. It is. And you notice that a lot of people lead with that. If they're not leading with gossip, a lot of people lead with, the negativity. It's like, how are you doing today? Oh, my goodness, you know, and, and they're like, even if they have to go back a week to tell you something bad that happened, a lot of people will do that, and it's that conditioning. You know, they're used to it. This is what we're, is normal for people to, you know, here's my complaint list, and it's kind of sad. I'm, by the way, I'm going to remind people, anybody listening live, if you want to call in and ask him a question, it's 646-929-2893. And uh, if you want to be in the chat room, we have a couple of people in the chat room, and you're, you folks are welcome to pop a question. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's see. Um, I want you to tell me about <laughs> this is a time for you to tell me a story. Actually, tell me about storytelling and the cast of characters. Ooh, storytelling. Okay, yeah. this is this is the good stuff. This is big for me. Um, so the cast of characters for me is this these group of voices in my head, and I'm not talking about multiple personalities. I have to put that out there. But what I've done is I've categorized these voices that talk to me and, and say unpleasant things to me, and I've turned them into characters. And for me, this has been a really effective tool at discounting these voices, which are actually the voices of ego. So... Like, I have a character who promotes fear. So I have one that comes in and, and you know, if, I'm, if I have something new in front of me to do, this, this voice will tell me, oh, my gosh, it's not going to work out. I, you know, you should really be afraid. You're trying something new. I have a, a taskmaster who won't leave me alone because she always wants me to get my to-do list done, and my to-do list is never done. So I never get to be peaceful. And so I have all these characters, and by giving them personalities and by giving them, you know, assigning what, what they say to me, when one of them comes into my mind, one of these negative thoughts come into my mind, I go, oh, I see you. You're just the belittler. You're just the taskmaster. You're just the judge. And I know they're not real because those voices work against me. You know, the, the, the true there's only one voice I really should be listening to. That's the inner guidance voice. And by having uh, a tool to notice the difference, I can pay attention to the voice I should be paying attention to, which is the loving one that encourages me and tells me you know, that I can do it. Now, you asked about the storyteller. The storyteller yeah. is very busy. <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of us have the storyteller. So for me, this is a character who answers all of my why questions. Why did that happen? What, what does that look on her face mean? Why is she looking at me like that? And the storyteller will tell me stuff to my detriment. Oh, she's looking at you like that because she doesn't like you. 
oh, she's judging you with that look on her face. And then my problem is, is if I don't catch it, I believe what I just told myself, which is a story. And then I act like it's real. <laughs> right. And so I could, I could do this all day long. Think about it. I could go out into the world and people are going to look at me weird and someone's going to cut me off in traffic and I'm going to tell myself all these stories and I will be very miserable in my mind if I can't counteract that stuff. I know that storyteller guy. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> I tell you, I think he's the most active. Oh yeah, I mean, there's a there's a story for everything, and everybody, you know, I could definitely see where I've uh, I've made up all kinds of crap. Yes. <laughs> and it does. I don't know why the storyteller just makes up things that kind of work against us. Very yeah. Most of the time, it's like not only is it not true, but it was like like I could you know. If you're going to make it up, you can make up whatever you want, right? Right. Like, why not make up something positive? Right. But my storyteller does not make up things that are positive. And so, and, and it also likes to get involved in other people's lives. So if somebody else does something in their life, you know, I have a little voice that goes, I wonder why they did that. And then the storyteller goes, well, maybe it's because, and then fills in the blank. So it, it it's a very active part, and it's, it really changes things when you start to notice it in yourself because you will declutter your mind. Your mind will get a lot more peaceful mm-hmm. and you can, you know, receive that guidance and that inspiration when you don't have the storyteller just like cooking up tornadoes. So what would be the process for doing that? Well, for me it was really just getting to know the internal character, so I just started writing down what negative things I hear in my head. And then I started assigning, you know, um, different characteristics to each one. And I'm not saying that everyone has the same characters, but I'm saying if they actually did that exercise and if they, well, for the storyteller, just kind of wrote it down and said, okay, what, what does this part of me do? And when you look at it and you have it on paper, you can start to distance yourself from it and you can start to see it when it happens. And if you, if you do see it when it happens, it's much easier to not let it affect you anymore. So it's, the key is really awareness. It's, it's really starting to pay attention to what's going on in there. Mm. Very interesting. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. I do. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to be uh, thinking about all my characters. And, uh, you know, it's, you're starting out with, I'm, I already am one myself. So can you only imagine what my characters look like? <laughs> yes. I can imagine, because <laughs> I know what my mine are very busy. So, <laughs> you you call your mind a garden. Why is that? I like to have visuals. So when you said like the crab in the barrel, that is so perfect for me because I I use visuals for myself. So I look at my mind like it's a garden, and that uh, my flowers are joy and happiness and you know positivity, and that. The negativity are just the weeds. And so I can't really afford to let this, if I have a negative thought about a person or life or in general, if I let that negative thought get planted, it kind of takes over my garden. So, and again, this comes with awareness. When you start seeing these things and you start seeing those negative thoughts, as they get planted, you can sort of pull them out and not let them take over your garden. So you kind of, I mean, it's, 
you have to be diligent, but I am here to tell people that it is so worth doing because your life will will change so much. So, uh, so it sounded like you were talking kind of like pulling weeds. Yeah. Um, but then you're also watering, uh, you know, watering the good plants, right? Right. So mostly, um, my my mind stays pretty positive. But every once in a while, you know, this this thought comes in and tries to fester, tries to get planted, and starts to try and grow. And as soon as I notice that I have a choice, I can either let it go, and believe me, sometimes I do. You know, sometimes we just let it go. Like, okay, that's not a good thought to go with, but I'm going to go with it for a couple of days and torture myself. God knows why. Oh, and when then, you mean when you say let it go, you mean you're going to go with it? Is that what you mean? Like you're going to just let it, let it sit? Yeah. And just be with it. Let yeah, let it sit, let it yeah. torture me for a while. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, if we don't decide to pull it out, pull that weed out, and we just decide to let it go, the problem with negativity is it compounds so fast. That's why I call it a weed. It will it just overrun the garden. So if you've got good things going on in your life and you turn negative and you don't do anything about it, you will, you know, it's out of control before you know it. So what are your what are your best, what are some of your favorite techniques for shifting out of that? Well, again, for me, it just goes back to awareness. So I, I affirm against things. So uh, if I have a thought that comes in that tells me, you know, I'm not going to get that job, I just have to tell myself, no, I'm not going with that thought because I don't, that's not what I want. I want to get the job and I want to believe I'm going to get the job. Mm-hmm. So if fear kind of gets me in a vulnerable moment and starts telling me that, I will say, no, uh, I, I will get the job. I affirm I will get the job, and I will go positive on it and tell myself some positive things for a while so I can cancel out the original negativity. Now, do you do like regular old-school affirmations? Do you do positive self-talk? Do you do, you know, what's your particular technique on that? I love affirmations. I really do. They, I'll, I'll put them up. If I come across one that's beautiful, I'll write it on a post-it note, stick it everywhere around my house. Because <laughs> what's the worst thing that can happen? I look at it, I read it, and I feel a little bit better. You know, it's, it's worth it. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm always participating in affirmations. And always. how do you do them? Do you, um, you know, what's your style? Well, I say them in my head if I've got thoughts. You know, if I've got thoughts that I don't want to go with, I affirm against them. So I'll say, you know, today is a beautiful day or, you know, I'm I'm going to have a joyful day, those types of things. So pretty much just on the spot, I say things out loud, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I wake up in the morning and, and say them out loud. It's going to be a great day. I, I think sometimes when you when you actually say it out loud, you give it a little more oomph. Yeah, I, I met a woman who... Um she said she got a, quite a lot of amazing things happen in her life using affirmations. And what her thing that she told me was, and so we stuck with me, she would make these very powerful affirmations that she had written out, and she would pretty much shout them like <laughs> ten times in a row, like really like loudly with a lot of passion. And she said that for her, that was like the key to it was getting that energy, you know, sort of like uh, as Anthony Robbins would say, getting in state. I, you know, I could see how that would really be beneficial. I do. Because if you were standing there yelling it, it's like you, you, 
you connect with it more, I think, if mm-hmm. you're yelling it out passionately. So, yeah, I think that'd be a great tool. Definitely. And there's um, a, a great book I've also read called, uh, the, the, actually not the title, just went out of my head, on, on positive self-talk. Yes. Very uh, well-known book, and naturally, just because I need to think of it, I can't, I can't think of it. A guy with an interesting name like, like Shep. Okay. Not Shemp. <laughs> <laughs> Not Shemp. Not okay. Shemp. <laughs> but uh, I believe his name is Shep. If anybody is listening, you want to let me know what that book is. <laughs> <laughs> I get those, you know, those little. Um, the moment you need to to remember something, it just runs away. <laughs> oh yes, I can relate to that. So, uh, tell me more about. How do you bring joy into your daily life? Well, there's um, there's some really simple things that people can do. I I, I have a, some writing exercises that are inside the book, and you know you can make up your own writing exercises. But what you can do with them is sort of subtly lead your mind in a new direction. So I, I like love letters to myself. Uh, I have a lot of clients that do these, and then over time, they really do start feeling better. i got to tell you straight up that the first time you do it, if you say all these kind things about yourself, the ego usually shows up the first few times and says, you don't really believe this. This is nonsense. You're you're conceited for saying nice things about yourself. And it's just a way of trying to, um, to, to block you from getting to that loving place. But if you do it for a while, you start to connect to the truth. This is not about building conceited people. This is about building healthy self-esteem. And it does start to bring joy in. So a beginning assignment, um, could write, you could write a love letter to yourself or you could make a list of all the joyful things that happened in your week. And I find a lot of people have joy in their lives. We just may not recognize it because we're looking for it in something huge, you know, like a, a new house or a new car or something gigantic and we miss all the little stuff so when you start making a list for yourself of what happened through the week that where you had a moment of joy your mind starts to notice that oh my gosh there's a lot more joy than i noticed and that's really nice it it really affects daily life well that sounds great yeah it works uh i have uh the book title now Oh, you do? Yes, drum roll. Okay. Okay. What to Say When You Talk to Yourself by Shad Helmstetter, Ph.D. Well, how I got Shep out of that, I don't know. Well, you're close. Shad? Shad, S-H-A-D, Helmstetter. What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. That's a really good book on on how to use positive self-talk, which is somewhat different than affirmations, but it's it has it's related. Yes. And, and what we're saying to ourselves really does matter because it's, it's creating the conditions of our inner world. And so if we're being unkind and we're telling ourselves we're stupid or we're not going to get the things we want out of life, we are creating that. So it's huge. So by changing our inner world, by transforming our inner world is how we cause the transformation. It starts there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so what is uh now tell me more about your 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 other book also cuz that's out there as well. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's called Living in the Rearview Mirror from mm-hmm. Substance Abuse to a Life of Substance. And what it is is it's the, the story. So the second book, This New from the Inside Out, was my action plan. Once I began the personal transformation process, that's where the action plan came in. But the first book tells the story. And the way I wrote that book is I was very connected to inner dialogue. And I let people see what was going on in my mind. And I did it for on purpose because I wanted other people to be able to identify and see that this is how I was creating my life. I was creating misery for mm-hmm. myself. And it was because of the way that I thought and, and the thoughts that I believed about myself. And, you know, I did have a lot of um, unfortunate things happen in my life. But a lot of people do. And a lot of people still come out of it. For me, I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to pick this mud up and smear it all over myself all the time and stay in this place of poor me. And at some point, the world is going to give me what it owes me. And I had to look at myself. That's really how I thought. Like underneath it all, if I suffer enough, some somebody owes me something. It doesn't work like that. So. Mm. I tell the story of how I got there and what happened to me and how life really started to change. And it was I wrote it because I wanted other people to have hope. There's a lot of unhappy people, and there's a lot of people that are um, living in dark places, and they don't have to because I was a mess. And my life is so different. I never had any idea that I could have the life that I have today. So I know with all my heart that if someone else makes the choice to change their life, that they can change it just like I did. That's very, very inspiring. Well, good. It's meant to be inspiring. <laughs> That's very cool. So tell me a little bit about the kind of work that you're doing uh, you know, as a spiritual counselor and uh, what kind of workshops and seminars, those sorts of things that you're up to. Okay, well, I, I do angel readings, and so th- this was something that came into my life once I – um, stop the narcotics, I feel like I got cracked wide open at that point. And for some reason, life made sense all of a sudden. It's like it really didn't. It just baffled me before. And then it really started to make sense. And I began to work with the angelic realm. Now, this was a gift that I had all my life, but I was scared of it. And once I got past my fear and started accepting me for who I am, they started working with me. And I went and I got certified by Doreen Virtue, who is uh, an author who writes about angels. Mm-hmm. And that gave me the confidence to start doing this type of work. And so I work with other people, and I do angel readings for them. But I also, the, the life coaching thing kind of came in because the angels will give these beautiful messages and these very inspiring things that people connect to. And they go, yes, that makes sense. I want to change that. And then... There they are. They don't know what to do. I think most of us need help when we want to change. Absolutely. We do. We need support. We're not not supposed to do this alone. So that's where the uh, life coaching part comes in. We we help them, you know, get, get on track. But I also teach them how to connect to their own divine guidance. So it's not about making them, you know, dependent on me to help them improve their life. It's really about showing them that they have it already. They know what to do. They know how to connect to this. And I, I kind of, you know, lead them, lead them that way. 
and then their man, their lives start to change. It's it's really an honor, isn't it? To it to work is. with people. Isn't it great? Don't you just love your job? It's always amazing when yeah. <laughs> just really kind of being you, you could make a difference for somebody. Yeah. I never knew that. I never I thought that I was good enough to help anybody. Oh, that was just one of your characters telling you that. Yes, you're right. It was. It was the belittler. He was like, <laughs> oh, you're not good enough. <laughs> you're not going to help anybody. But you know what? We Any of our life experience that we have is very beneficial to other people. And I think that, that you and I are really lucky to just to be in that place where you help other people and see their lives get better. I don't know about you, but my heart gets so big sometimes. I feel so much joy from it. Uh, I have a word I use that's a, you know, like a word my grandparents would use. was It's called kvel. It's a, okay. Yiddish, it's a Yiddish word, and it's a, it kind of describes that. It's, like when you, it's sort of like that feeling of pride, uh-huh. you know, when you're like, like if, if you had a kid who was uh, the star of the show. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I just cavelled. Okay, that's my little Yiddish word, my little Yiddish lesson for tonight. Yeah, that's that's how it feels. I feel like my heart swells up, like it's going to mm-hmm. pop sometimes, and I get very misty-eyed um, when I watch someone's life get better. But I, you know, it's not me. It's definitely right. not me. It's it's the the wisdom that's coming in from another source. I'm just lucky to be a part of it. You're the conduit. Exactly. I, I actually, I, I just thought of a good name for you. Oh yeah, the the angel whisperer. Uh, <laughs> the angel whisperer, huh? Yes. Oh, it sounds nice. If it's not taken, grab it. <laughs> I just uh, that just came to me in, in a divine thought, so I'm sharing. Ah, uh, there you go. Okay, so tell us uh, how to find you and what you're up to, and and all that good stuff. Well, like you mentioned, I do workshops, and um, I have to say I was afraid of speaking in front of people before. I still get pretty nervous, but I'm very passionate about carrying this message. So I do workshops, and I teach people how to learn to plug into their angels, but I also you know, teach a class about the book on how to start connecting to how everything's influencing you. Um, I also just started this new radio minute thing. It's a one-minute inspirational audio message every day. And it's really fun for me because it's, you know, it's just positivity. And it's a, sure. a divine message. So and I started that? That is on my Facebook page. I'm posting it there every day. And it's also available on divineminute.com. Okay, DivineMinute.com. When you say your Facebook page, you have a fan page or a personal page, or what do you mean? I have a fan page. Okay, and, and what, is, what is the name of that page? It's just Kim Vasquez, and I always have to remind people that my last name is V-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z, which is, it's odd. It's different, and most people want mm-hmm. to type that S in there for the first um, Z. So that's also the name of my website, too, is, is KimVasquez.com, and I have all my, you know, activities that are listed on there, the workshops, the books, the the different information. Yeah, I could so relate to the 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 uh the spelling thing Kim. Uh, you know, my name is Poretz, P O R E T Z. Uh but so many people turn dyslexic when they hear it and turn me into Portez. Really? Yeah, see. <laughs> and, <laughs> see. I, and I and I see. <laughs> and I'm not Spanish. Right. Um, but I actually got to the point, you know, I, I, 
sometimes it's best to just embrace something rather than keep fighting it. So I do now own AndrewPortez.com for those people who, no matter what I do, cannot spell my name. And uh, that's why I also have it's just, just as easy for me to say go to MyFutureCoach.com, right. which, which anybody can remember. Right. Now, they they can't – I've tried – you know, I, I, my company name is Ingenuity Coaching – I've discovered a lot of people can't spill ingenuity. Right. That no, that makes sense. That's it's a good idea to make it real simple, because then it's easier to remember. Exactly. So I, you know, I cover I cover my uh, my virtual butt, as you might say, <laughs> with the various spellings and the spellings, and so I, I don't care how you find me as long as you get there. Exactly. Yes. I. I. Well, the divine minute is good because I think That's everyone. Great. Yeah, they can just go straight That's to that, and they'll go to my web page. Yeah. I just made me think of that song, Liza with a Z. Liza with Not, a Z? I haven't heard know, that song. That's a song that Liza Minnelli sung in, her, in a TV special she did, like, I don't know, 25 or 30 years ago. You know, I'm Liza with a Z, not Lisa with an S. Okay. So yep. that, that, you know, you know, I'm like Vasquez with a Z, not Vasquez <laughs> with an S. Yeah. Same, exactly. same thing. That's you. Exactly. Uh, and uh, what is your uh, uh, Twitter name? My Twitter name is also Kim Vasquez, and it's a, a capital K, and there's no space. It goes straight into Vasquez, and it's a capital V. So I'm not sure if it, it matters, but it might, because there there are other Kim Vasquez's out there. What, is it? what a shock. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> now, there's only one other Andrew Porras, and he's my uh, 15 or 16-year-old second cousin that I've never met. But we are Facebook friends, and that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. So, uh, Kim, it's actually we're down to our last couple of minutes. I want to very much thank you for being uh, my guest here on Coach's Corner. I want to very much thank you for having me. My, it's totally my pleasure to have you, and uh, everyone should go out and get a hold of uh, a, a New from the Inside Out Yep. on KimVazquez.com. Or you can get it on Amazon. You can also, uh, the books are on the show page for Coach's Corner. And uh, so thank you for, every, for, for some wonderful information. And thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find me at myfuturecoach.com and follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash coachandrew. We'll be back next week, same bat time, same bat station, with my guest, Trish Bishop. Have an outstanding next seven days, and we'll see you next week. Good night. Good night.